Welcome to Recovering My Inner Child. My name is Kawan Saluja. Our first reading comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is detaching in love. Detachment is a key to recovery from codependency. It strengthens our healthy relationships, the ones that we want to grow and flourish. It benefits our difficult relationships, the ones that are teaching us to cope. It helps us. Detachment is not something we do once. It's a daily behavior in recovery. This uh, this line really stands out to me because I do think sometimes in recovery, I think some of these things is like, okay, you do it once and then you're done. And it's love. I think detachment, you know, forgiveness too might, you know, of the same person might also be a daily behavior. Back to the reading. We learn it when we are beginning our recovery from codependency and adult children issues. And we continue to practice it along the way as we grow and change and as our relationships grow and change. We learn to let go of people we love, people we like, and those we don't particularly care for. We separate ourselves and our process from others and their process. We relinquish our tight hold and our need to control in our relationships. We take responsibility for ourselves. We allow others to do the same. We detach with the understanding that life is unfolding exactly as it needs for others and ourselves. The way life unfolds is good, even when it hurts. And ultimately, we can benefit from even the most difficult situations. We do this with an understanding that a power greater than ourselves is in charge, and all is well. Today, I will apply the concept of detachment to the best of my ability in my relationships. If I can't let go completely, I'll try to hang on loose. God, this is one of the more important, you know, I detachment, I, I hadn't even heard of this word, you know, maybe two years into recovery, never even heard of it. And then, you know, started reading Melody Beatty and then started hearing about detach with love. And again, what? And, uh, you know, how, how is that? And what I'm starting to realize is, you know, getting away from the dysfunctional, you know, like the enmeshment and all that kind of stuff. But what I really liked about this is, there's a power greater than ourselves is in charge. So we just got to take like small actions. And I really like the thing at the bottom. If you can't let go completely, just don't hang on so tight. And that's something that I got to remember, you know. There's no reason to, you know, control even more, you know. It's just kind of let go. And I think that's that compulsive worrying. It's just like it really doesn't actually do anything other than drain energy. The next reading also comes from Melody Beatty's The Language of Letting Go, and the topic is negotiating conflicts. Recovery is about more than walking away. Sometimes it means learning to stay and deal. It's about building and maintaining relationships that work. Yeah, I think too often in childhood, you know, the, the, the family model was to silence and rage and just walk away when things, you know, at that moment, don't go your way. And that's something that I've certainly carried with me, I think, in my adult life. And, you know, why I do these podcasts is, is, is just you know, to remind myself and listeners, you know, like this is, it's important to maintain relationships and work. And momentary adversity, as I've learned, doesn't mean that relationship is lost or silent treatment for weeks as was modeled in my childhood. It means Oftentimes, the relationship actually gets strengthened. It's almost like it's adversity tests. Back to the reading. Problems and conflicts are part of life and relationships. Great. With friends, family, loved ones, and at work. 
Problem solving and conflict negotiation are skills we can acquire and improve with time. That is a huge one. We can acquire and improve with time. You know, and I think, you know, there's this notion of, oh, I'm powerless over everything. It's like, no, there are some things that I have learned helplessness over that my confidence, you know, wherever it came from, probably my relatives, but that's another story. Uh, you know, but, you know, we can acquire, you know, conflict and negotiation and problem solving. There's skills that we can acquire. And, and I would argue there are skills that some of us have really strong, but just have like, like lost confidence in, I guess. Back to the reading. Not being willing to tackle and solve problems in relationships leads to unresolved feelings of anger and victimization. Terminated relationships, unresolved problems, and power plays that intensify the problem and waste time and energy. This is brilliant. I wonder if she's being channeled. Jeez. Not being willing to face and solve problems means we may run into that problem again. Yeah, and I think I was sheltered and, you know, didn't necessarily have to face problems and then at a certain time, I would continue to not necessarily face problems and it made it much difficult later on. So, you know, like, like in a lot of cases, I would say progress, not perfection. Back to the reading. Some problems with people cannot be worked out in mutually satisfactory ways. Sometimes the problem is a boundary issue we can have and there's not room to negotiate. In that case, we need to clearly understand what we want and what our bottom line is. And what I've realized is I have time to pause. I get anxiety because as a child, I didn't, I didn't have any time to pause or, or to think. And it was just do, do, go from here to here to here to here. And it just never stopped. Back to the reading. Some problems with people, though, can be worked out, worked through, and satisfactorily negotiated. Sometimes, like, when you work with people, it's kind of important. Back to the reading. Often there are workable options for solving problems that we will not even see until we become open, honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, to the concept of working through problems in relationships rather than running from the problems. To negotiate problems, we must be willing to identify the problem, let go of blame and shame, and focus on possible creative solutions. To successfully negotiate and solve problems in relationships, we must have a sense of our bottom line and our boundary issues, so we don't waste time trying to negotiate non-negotiable issues. We need to learn to identify what both people really want and need and the different possibilities for working that out. We can learn to be flexible without being too flexible. Committed, intimate relationships means two people are learning to work together through their problems and conflicts in ways that work in both people's best interests. Today, I will be open to negotiate conflicts I have with people. I will strive for balance without being too submissive or too demanding. I will strive for appropriate flexibility in my problem-solving efforts. And, you know, not being able to navigate relationships is a big big part that, like, contributes to under-earning. You know, like relationships are the key currency of life, whether it's, you know, we all need each other, but, you know, it also, you know, it's, it's also a team, you know, like one plus one equals 11, you know, those kind of things. So, um, great reading. Now we move to ACA strengthening my recovery and the topic is separate identity. Great topics and great readings today. As we struggle to form an identity separate from our parent programs, we are also becoming aware of the need to separate emotionally from our alcoholic homes. Separate emotionally. So it's not just space, but, but emotionally. 
Only in complete separation can we have the freedom to express who we are and to create the experience of intimate closeness we so desperately needed as children. Before many of us came to ACA, our other programs helped us start the journey, but they may have also led us to believe we shouldn't separate ourselves from our abusive families. Yep. So we continue to show up for those who were emotionally unavailable, even now, giving them love and support while our own inner resources dwindled. Wow, I never thought about that. I think like my guilt felt like dwindling my inner resources was worth it. But, you know, it starts with, it starts with me, right? Back to the reading and my inner child. As our inner child develops a voice in ACA, we hear the pain. And we begin to acknowledge the depth of our family's dysfunction. We give ourselves permission to miss family events and let ourselves let go of the fantasy of what we wanted life with them to be. We give ourselves permission to miss family events and let go of the fantasy of what we wanted with life to be. We are no longer willing to be controlled by them. So I, not their competitions or who they want me to be better than or who to be with. Back to the reading. In return, we gain dignity and healthy pride. We start to become sane and whole. Even though it is difficult, we realize it is worth it. Yes, yes. We find that we are resourceful and have a tremendous capacity of self-care because we have survived our childhood trauma. We seize our own destiny and live our lives from a position of wholeness, no longer operating with one hand tied behind our backs. On this day, I will not look back. I will continue to do what is best for me, creating an identity that is separate from my dysfunctional family. An identity more in line with my true self. You know, like what did little Kawan, or my uh, nickname Sony, what did little Sony want? And the final reading is, the critical parent also comes from ACA Strengthening My Recovery. Judging ourselves harshly for mistakes is the critical parent. The criticism we heard growing up, whether it was from our parents, teachers, or others, again, relatives, grandmother, even other children became so internalized that we learned to let it define us. This wasn't a conscious decision. It's something that happened gradually. Man, this literature is fucking brilliant. As adults, we carry these shaming messages with us in the form of our own personal inner critical parent. This is why we continue to beat ourselves up when we miss the nuance of a situation or make even the smallest error in judgment. These mistakes might be as simple as walking out the door in front of someone and accidentally cutting them off or maybe we're having trouble following a conversation. Our critical inner parent jumps right in with, how could you be so stupid? Or what's wrong with you? When we allow that voice to rule our thoughts, we can second guess almost everything we do. And my critical parent is loud in the morning. It's like, dude, it takes time to get like ready. And it's just raging. Like you have to do this and you're behind and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's just like, oftentimes the stuff seems to work itself out as the day goes on, but that critical parent, and it's good to know that that's not really me, that voice that wakes up, you know, and in a lot of ways, I think I try to get busy to, to, to keep that voice quiet. Back, back to, back to the reading. As we learn in ACA to, uh, when we silence that critical voice, we replace those messages with more loving thoughts that tell us we haven't done anything wrong. We're okay. If we accidentally cut someone off, we apologize and move on. And we realize there could be many reasons why we're not following what someone is saying. Maybe they aren't painting a complete picture, so we can ask them to explain or re rephrase. Yeah, I think that's a lot, 
you know, I, I noticed that a lot of times I'm assuming that I'm wrong and it's just like I'm pretty smart and intelligent. And in those things, my critical parent can make me think that I'm like one of the um, not so smart people. Back to the reading. Our new responses show strength and they empower us. On this day, I will practice silencing my critical parent and affirming for myself that, hey, critical parent, I am human and it's okay to be imperfect. And that concludes today's readings for Recovering My Inner Child. Until next time, this is Kawan Saluja reminding myself to pause because that's where God is, to feel my feelings, to love myself, and to be still and know.